Isn't it great to have such youthful vibrancy on stage? It's awesome. DeAndre does such a great job with the students. Some of them are students or former students. It's so great. And so, so this morning we are having youthful vibrancy only on stage. Everyone is youthful and vibrant and young on stage this morning. So, hey, Happy New Year to you. So excited to enjoy a better year with you all. And uh, so glad that you're here with us and glad you're on the line with us. Uh, this is the new journal. It is an 18-week experience that connects with the Sunday mornings. Uh, um, and the idea is that there's also a daily short devotional for you to just kind of continue with the topics, with what's going on. And it should only take you about five, maybe ten minutes a day to kind of interact with it. And all of the devotions have been written by staff and leaders here at the church for you for this 18-week period. And it starts today. It starts this Sunday. And the theme this time around is part blue, joy. So I, I guess we could call them joinals. Okay, uh, so they are available for 10 bucks. If you have not picked up yours yet, the $10 just pays for the cost of printing. You can go into the lobby at the white marble desk and, uh, and uh, buy your journal. If you don't, uh, if you don't want to spend $10 or you don't have $10, don't worry about it. Just let us know. Go over there. We'll figure it out because we want you to have a journal. If you are online and uh, you can go right now and click on some button somewhere and purchase your journal. And then when you get here uh, uh, at any point during office hours, you can come and pick it up and we'll uh, make sure we get it to you. So hopefully you uh, can get this and we'll uh, continue this journey together. But as we start, how, what's your level of joy as you start 2021? As you sit or, or whatever you are, listening, watching, uh, as you get started with 2021, what's your level of joy? I'm not talking about happiness because happiness comes and goes very easily, very frequently. Happiness is like a roller coaster. It just it comes and goes real quickly. For example, the... Uh, the McDonald's used to have what they call a happy meal. Just a few years back, they stopped calling it that. But it was a good name because it kind of came and went. You were happy when you were eating the chicken McNuggets, and then an hour later, not so happy that you had eaten them. So it's kind of one of these you know, easy roller coaster things, that happiness comes and goes pretty quickly. Happiness also typically is in response to circumstances. It's in response to something. That somebody says something nice to you, oh, thanks, and you feel good for a period of time. It doesn't normally continue for a long period of time. Ha happiness is what you experience when you get a gift for Christmas, and you open it, and you're so exciting, and you're so thankful for it. But here uh, on January 3rd, how much are you still excited and happy about some item that you got for Christmas? It doesn't normally carry over. Happiness can even be something where we give something to somebody else, and we experience happiness because we watch them open it or whatever. But joy is bigger. Joy is deeper. Joy does not go up and down, come and go like happiness, nor is joy simply a response to circumstances. Joy is bigger and deeper. What is your joy level this morning, today, as we get started in 2021? 
Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we head into this? Father, I, I believe that you want us to understand what joy is and you want us to experience it. And I believe that every one of us here in this room, everyone who's hearing this, wants joy. And so, God, what a beautiful combination. You want to provide it. We want to receive it. God, would you allow that connection to happen? Would you just allow uh, all of the ways that we get in the way, all of the ways that we stop this from happening, would you allow that stuff to just be shed so that we can experience the true joy that you have for us? Would you help that become just a little bit clearer here today? We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. There is a social skill that I believe is, is an incredibly powerful social skill. And, and, and in fact, I think it might be one of the most powerful social skills we could learn. And that is the ability to, to learn and remember someone's name. If you want to leave a positive impression, if you want to get the job, if you want to, to, to bring joy or at least happiness, you know, short term, into somebody else's life, when, when they see you and you respond knowing their name, it's a significant, it's a game changer when you remember someone's name. There's a huge difference between seeing someone, uh, I'm in the lobby at church, and you see someone and you say, hey, Troy, so great to see you. My goodness, happy new year. How's the family? Okay, so different between that and, hey, you, man, it's good to see you. Happy new year to you and your family that you may or may not have. You see, can you see the difference? There's a slight, subtle difference there between those two deals. It's so powerful when we remember people's names. And it could be that right now, as I say this, you're kind of tilting your head going, yeah, Alan, that is, that is not you because I forgot your name. I mean, I, I am not good at this. I'm not proud of it, but I'm not, this is not a strength of mine. I know there are techniques and there are classes you can take and ways to help remember names better, and this has not been a strength of mine. But I have experienced it with other people who are great at it. And it is a powerful thing to be able to remember and say someone's name. Do you know what the sweetest sound is that our ear wants to hear? The sweetest sound that our ear wants to hear is the sound of somebody getting body checked into the boards in the corner of a hockey game. Because uh, they have microphones there to capture it. So really, that's the number one sweetest sound. But the second sweetest sound that the human ear can hear is our own name. We'll, we can be in a crowded room with all the things going on, but we can hear our name across a crowded room. Uh, uh, uh. John, um, you may, they may be talking to some other John, but we can hear our name. We can be in a conversation with somebody, and it's a deep conversation, but we hear, we hear Sarah, and we, boom, we, we hear that name. It can pull us out. Imagine how amazing it would feel. Just imagine how incredible it would feel. To, to hear Jesus, the King of kings, the Savior of the world, to hear Jesus say your name. To hear Jesus call out your name specifically. Could you imagine what that would feel like? In the New Testament, 
there are three times where Jesus calls out someone's name and repeats it. There are three times where Jesus says a name twice, and it's the intimacy of the moment that Jesus, Jesus says, I know who you are, and speaks a name twice. One time is Simon. On the night before Jesus was crucified, he gathered with his best friends. He gathered with what we refer to as the 12 disciples, and he told them that he was going to die. And they didn't understand it, and, he, and they, they, they did the, the communion, and he tried to explain all of this, and he walked this all out. And Simon Peter says, Jesus, whatever happens tonight or tomorrow, whatever happens, I will never deny you. And Jesus says, Simon, Simon, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And it was out of the intimacy of that. Jesus wasn't condemning Simon Peter for it. He was just saying, he was just, this is going to be so hard for you. And Jesus knew the story, knew how Simon uh, Peter would become the leader of the church, you know, uh, in, in the book of Acts, etc. But in that moment, Jesus brought tremendous intimacy to that. As we get into the story of the book of Acts, we find the second time, or a second time that Jesus repeats a name twice with Saul. Saul was a persecutor of uh, followers of Jesus. And after Jesus had died and ascended up back into heaven, he appears before Saul, who was heading to Damascus to pursue Christians, to take care of them, put them in prison or whatever. And Saul was on the way to Damascus. Jesus appears before Saul. And in a way of intimacy, to, to say, I know who you are, Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? This was the same man, Saul, who, who gets, he gets knocked off his donkey, he gets blinded, and he, he decides to follow that Jesus, and his name changes from Saul to Paul, and he ends up writing about half of our New Testament. The third time that Jesus says a specific name and repeats that name is the name Martha. And that's the story that we're going to take a look at today. It's found in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there with me. If you are at home, I highly encourage you to go get your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 10. We'll look at this story here together. We're going to spend the rest of our time in just a few verses here in Luke chapter 10. The story begins verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. This is the story of Martha and her sister Mary. They made little chocolates with a candy coating, and um, they were called M&Ms, and it's been popular for 2,000 years. Okay, that's not true. But what we do know, what we do know about Mary and Martha actually comes from John chapter 11. There's more information about these two and their family. They lived in a town called Bethany, which was just a couple miles outside of Jerusalem. It was east of Jerusalem. And so uh, uh, what we know about Mary and Martha is that Jesus knew them. He, he knew them. This was not a random home that Jesus stopped by on his way to Jerusalem. He had relationship, uh, uh, friendship with Mary and Martha. Continuing the story. She, Martha, had a sister named Mary 
who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. You see, Mary understands that when Jesus shows up, you stop whatever you're doing. You drop whatever pursuit of joy you're experiencing. You set that aside and you focus on Jesus because he's the one who will provide the greatest joy that you could possibly imagine. Mary understands this. And this is such a big part of what our journey is going to be over these 18 weeks. For example, if you have your journal, turn to page 20. And <laughs> it's the start of a series that we're going to start next week called Make a Memory. And the whole idea behind Make a Memory is, is that, oh, excuse me. <coughs> the whole idea behind Make a Memory is, is that, um, is that we want to plant a stake in the ground and make a memory with Jesus. This is what Mary was doing. Whatever I was doing, I'm going to set it aside, and I'm going to focus on Jesus. How, how can we live out 2021 in a way where we, we, we actually make a memory in our experience with Jesus? This might mean learning something new about who Jesus is or what Jesus has done, or it might mean experiencing something new about his love and his forgiveness in your life. It might be a head thing where you're learning. It could be a heart thing where you're experiencing. But what it is, it's about, it's about saying, I am going to stop my, some of my other pursuits of joy because I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to sit at his feet. I'm going to spend time with Jesus, and I will benefit for the rest of my life by making a memory with Jesus. That's a large part about what that series is going to be about. And then similarly, if you turn to page 68, there's a series that we're going to start in March called Attention, what it means to be a worshiper. Because the general idea with this series is that, that the, the idea of worship is, is primarily to set our stuff aside and give all of our attention to God. That's what it means to worship. You don't have to be a great singer. It's not just about singing. It's a number of different ways that we can say for this moment, I am going to put all of my attention on God. It is a focus. It is, it is removing the distractions as Mary did and focusing on the Lord. Mary understood this. When Jesus shows up, set aside what you've been doing, what you've been working on, set aside your pursuits of joy, and spend time with Jesus. That's what it means to make a memory with him, and that's what it means to worship. We're going to explore that in the upcoming weeks with a few upcoming series. But again, Mary understood this. Let me continue in the story. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. But Martha was distracted. We have a mission statement here as a church. And essentially what that means is, is it's our understanding of how we are to accomplish the mission, the overall mission of the church. Jesus has given the mission of the church, make disciples of all nations, Matthew chapter 28. Jesus has given the mission. But we as a church 
needed to figure out, okay, what, what's our part of that? What's our, what's our way that we want to accomplish that mission? And that's what we refer to as, as our mission as a little C church. And, and the language for that is inviting the distracted and disinterested to realize their role in God's story. Because all of us, all of us are. Did you hear that? What was I saying? Oh, yeah. All of us are distracted at times. All of us, all, no matter how deeply spiritual you are, no matter what kind of journey you want, all of us get distracted so easily by, by things of, of, of life. Martha was distracted. Now, when I read a story in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, typically the way I engage with a story is, is I, I'm, while I'm reading it, I think, okay, that's me. And that's the way that God usually speaks to me through stories is I just kind of go, okay, that's me. So how does this person respond? How does God respond to this person, et cetera? One of the reasons I, I don't think I've ever taught the story of Mary and Martha is that this story, I read it and I go, okay, that's not me. See, I am no Martha. I am not a prep person. Martha is a prep person. I'm not there. I'm not a prep person. I'm a party person. I'm the one who enjoys the prep of a Martha. Okay, I just have to be honest. I, when I read this, I don't go, hey, that's me. But, but, I read, but I know that some of you are Marthas. Some of you are prep people and that this can be a frustrating story for you. And you know that there is no party without the prep people. There is no party. We can't enjoy the party unless the prep people do the work. And so this can be all the more frustrating for you, for you Marthas, because you read this and you go, wait a second. Martha's the one doing all the work. And, and, it's, and what we know from Martha, most likely she was a widow based on the circumstances of this is her home and she's the one who's taking care of stuff that's happening there. She probably did not have very much in her home in Bethany. And yet here she is taking care of 12 hungry, smelly men that Jesus has brought. And they probably didn't call ahead of time and give her much warning on it. And so here she is. She's taking all of, their, all of this. And she's a little bit upset. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? She tells Jesus what to do. Tell her to help me. Said, she's mad. She, she's not thinking, you know what, maybe, maybe I can learn something from my sister. You know, we're different people, and, and there's party people and prep people. That's not what she's saying. She's saying, you tell her that she's wrong and that she needs to change. She's upset. The reason we prepare is so that we can party. Okay, for those of you who are preparers, why, why do you prepare in the first place? The reason we prepare is so that we can gather, so that we can make memories with one another. The reason you work so hard to create a great environment is so that you can enjoy the great environment. So for Martha, and for those of you who are Marthas, it's, it's this reminder of the whole reason you're working so hard is so that you can enjoy the moment. Don't miss the moment. It's like buying the perfect clothes and getting them sized just right and cleaned just right and then never wearing them. The reason you do the prep is so that you can enjoy it. 
So, so don't take video and pictures of every moment of life, video and pictures, video and pictures, video and pictures, and not enjoy the actual moment. This is, this is, this is, this is a message for the Marthas. I mean, why, why do we, for those of us who have kids or, or, or remember when your kids were little, why did you go to every recital and every game for your kids? Was it because the performances were so outstanding and, and, the, and the competition was electrifying at the different games that you went to? Not always, not always, let's be honest. It's because you didn't want to miss the moment. You wanted to be there. If something extraordinary happened or in the macro message of, of he or she or they were there, you understood, don't miss the moment. Enjoy the moment. It's when you, you, you hear laughter in the other room and then you go running into the room and you say, what, what happened? What? Who said, who said, what happened? What? And then everyone, you, you missed it. And if you walk into the room and they get quiet really quickly, then you know it was all about you. And so you, but it's that, it's that whole idea. Why, why do we even prep? Why do all the work? Why, why engage the gifts of Martha unless you're going to actually enjoy the moment? I think the message for Martha, the message for Martha is, is, is don't miss the moment. Experience the joy of why you've been preparing in the first place. Let me finish up the story here. Verse 41, Martha, Martha. This is the, actually the first chronologically, but the, but the third time that Jesus intimately says someone's name twice. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Ouch. Ouch. Martha's mad, and this is not what she wanted to hear from the rabbi, from the teacher, from Jesus whom she loved. This is not what she wanted to hear. Jesus says, Martha, Martha. And I think what's really important, really important in this story with the, the beauty of Jesus saying Martha's name twice is that this is a message for Martha, Martha. This is not a universal message. I don't think that, the universe, that there is a universal message from this story that Jesus is saying, don't prepare. People, you're irresponsible if you prepare. That's not what Jesus is saying. Because Jesus understands there is no party without preparation. There is no grand meal without preparation. And Jesus understands the value of making memories together by having banquets and celebrating together. And, and all of that stuff, it takes a ton of work. Thanksgiving and Christmas and all of that stuff, it takes work. Jesus is not saying set aside all the preparation. Without preparation, there is no Sunday morning celebration. The band members, as great as they are, they can't just get in and say, okay, ready? Go, and then they're all playing in different keys. They, they, they rehearse, they, they practice, they got to make sure they got it right. These young singers up here, they worked hard to know who's singing what, and are we hitting the right notes, etc. There is no party without preparation. This is not a universal message that Jesus is saying to everybody for the end of time. This is a message for Martha. Martha. 
you are worried about so many things. But all you really need to do is focus on one thing. For those of you who are old enough, you might remember the movie City Slickers with Billy Crystal where Jack Palance plays the old cowboy and there's a scene where, where Billy Crystal and Jack Palance, you know the scene I'm talking about. The old cowboy is riding along and he says, son, the key to life is one thing. You figure out what that is and everything else don't mean beep. That's why I couldn't play the, the actual clip. And then Billy Crystal says, yeah, but how can I know what that one thing is? And the old cowboy says, that's for you to figure out one thing. Not that, huh? No, just kidding. <laughs> well, but one thing. There is, there is one thing. See, the world distracts. That's what the world does. The world is very good at sending us off in all sorts of different directions. The world distracts and says, you need one of those. You need one of those. You need to spend time with that person. You need a whole bunch of those. The world says you need all of this stuff. And Jesus focuses. See, our joy gets diluted. Our joy gets destroyed because we get distracted by so many different things. And Jesus comes in and focuses. And what he says here in this story is you really just need to think about one thing, Martha. And he doesn't even clearly say what that one thing is. But it was one thing for Martha. You may start 2021 and you have 10 New Year's resolutions. And chances are you'll fail at all of them. I'm not, I'm not trying to pour something negative onto you, but statistics are not good when we have all of this stuff we need. We are so much better off to say, what's one thing that I need to focus on this year? If, if we're not that great at focusing on 10 different things. What's one thing that I can be tremendously successful at and experience tremendous joy in doing? The world distracts. Jesus focuses, saying, I know your name. I know who you are. And I know what your one thing should be. And it's not the same as Martha's necessarily, and it's not the same as Mary's, and it's not the same as the person sitting next to you. Jesus knows your name, and he knows how you can experience the greatest and deepest joy as you head into 2021. Next week, we're going to start the first series in the journal. But the journal starts today, and week one of this deal is is the purpose of week one is to clarify what it means to be a follower of Jesus. To clarify what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus is not a religion. Jesus is not a worldview. Jesus is not a theological concept. Jesus is a person. And the reason this is so important is that it is so much easier to dismiss and reject a concept than it is to dismiss and reject a person. Let me give you a, a, a very easy example of this. I would guess everyone here in the room would have a reason why marriage is, is a difficult journey. 
Everyone in a room would say, either you, you said before you were married or you're considering marriage right now or marriage in your future or you've been married for a long time or whatever, that there's a thing of saying, well, here's, there, there, are, there are legitimate reasons to not get married. There are legitimate reasons to not get married. Because when you make that decision, it shuts down the whole rest of the world of other people that you might want to date. When you get married, it's just billions of doors get closed that you cannot go into. And that can be, that can be, a, that can be a, a difficult experience. When you get married, you are going to have to deal with the dirty laundry of someone else for the rest of your life, both figuratively and literally. You are going to have to deal with dirty laundry of another human being for the rest of your life. There's a reason we all know. I won't even walk this one out. There's a reason we all know what the phrase ball and chain means. That's all I'll say. There, there, are, there are reasons that we, that we don't want to get married or, you know, question marriage or whatever. But then what happens to all of us is we meet that person. And it transitions from a concept to a person. And we get, as the characters did in Bambi, we get Twitterpated. And all those characters said, it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to me because they got all their reasons. Oh, that's crazy. And then they meet that person and the reasons don't go away. The reasons are still there. They just fade into the background because it transitioned from a concept to a person. It's so much easier to dismiss a concept than it is to dismiss a person. Now, for any of you today who who are not yet ready to, to, to follow Jesus. Okay, what I mean by that is, is you're not quite ready to say, I'm going to set aside my way of doing things, my way of doing life. To, Jesus said to the disciples, drop your nets and follow me. If you're not ready to drop your stuff and follow Jesus, my guess is there's a good reason why you don't want to do that. My guess is there's, there's, a, there's a very legitimate reason. Maybe the church has has hurt you at some point. Maybe church people have been hypocritical or judgmental to you, and that just, that just rubbed you so such the wrong way. Or maybe something terrible happened to someone that you love, and God did not stop it. If you don't feel great, about calling yourself a follower of Jesus, my guess is that there's a legitimate reason for that. But I would also guess that that reason is more connected to Jesus as a concept than Jesus as a person. Because we can dismiss the concept of faith, of higher power, you know, whatever the language might be, but it is really hard to dismiss a person who was born in Bethlehem, who grew up in Nazareth, and when he grew up to be a man, he gathered 12 disciples and he started a revolution of love with that group. And then he died on a cross for everyone and then rose from the dead and ascended back into heaven and became all the more powerful as the king of all kings. It's so much more difficult to, to resist, to dismiss, to reject the person of Jesus who says, I know your name. I know who you are. Would you follow me? Would you trust me that I know what will bring you joy more than you know what will bring you joy? 
Would you trust me that I know what your one thing could be this year that will allow you to experience a depth of life, an abundance of life that you have not yet experienced? Would you follow me? That's harder to reject. And that's what we get to do is follow that Jesus. As we close here today, I want to ask that you would just close your eyes for a moment. I just want you to meditate with me for just a minute, and then I'm going to do a closing prayer. With your eyes closed, I just want you to imagine Jesus saying your name twice. Just listen for Jesus saying your name twice. Father in heaven, we want to hear from you. We want to know what your one thing is for each of us. It's not a universal blanket for everyone, but you know us by name. And many of us here in this room, we want to be on a first name basis with you, Jesus, that you are not just a concept, you are a person. We want to hear from you. We want to know what this one thing is that you want us to focus on so that we can experience the depth and the greatness of joy that you have to offer. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.